My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions, that's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello, friends, and welcome to this golf podcast. Unlike any other, it is glorious. It is wonderful. And oh, yeah, we are here. It is time for some fairway roll. Oh, my birdie buddies, my par-saving pals, welcome. This is the new golf podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your starter, Joe House. This podcast is presented by our good pals at Callaway Golf, who have an incredible deal going on right this second on the Chrome Soft and Chrome Soft X golf balls. You can personalize those suckers. If you buy four dozen of them personalized, it's a perfect time of year. You get one dozen free. So that's four dozen for the price of three dozen. Personalize them. Do it like my buddy, Frankie Molinari, who used that ball last week to win down at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Go ahead and throw Cipolla on there. That's that's onion. That's the Italian word for onion. And we're trying to get this nickname for my boy Frankie Onions to stick. Cipolla. That's a perfect word to go on there. This week's edition of Fairway Rolling, my birdie buddies, talking all things the players. We got my main man, Chris Vernon, on. He and I licked some wounds about some bets that we uh, missed, some plays that we resent, we, we, we regret, but all things considered, a glorious players championship. And of course, a little golf social with my main birdie buddy, Megan Schuster. We talk a little bit about the current Young Guns Confidence Index, and we also give out some uh, superlatives for some exquisite sauce that we saw this week at the Players' Championship. Let's get over to the first tee. I see it is open. We're going to let out a little shaft with my boy, Chris Vernon. And now on the tee, Chris Vernon. 
Hello, house. Oh, it got dicey for me over the weekend. The uh, fairway rolling <laughs> listeners were wearing me out over Tommy Fleetwood. If he would have ended up winning, I would have never heard the end of it. So you know, I was I was put in a very precarious situation, house. I I sat there and I was like, he, he can't win. I can't, he, he, this can't be. And so typically I'm always rooting for Tommy Fleetwood because I got something on him. Then the one time I didn't, I just knew he was going to win. And I was like, all right, I'll root for you another time. Like, this can't be. And sure enough, he didn't win. So <laughs> I did feel okay at the end. Well, that's right. I mean, we both have some regrets, Verno. Uh, and this is part of the price. Now, look, uh, all, all the uh, Birdie bro- brothers out there, uh, all our, our, our uh, par-saving pals, we record this show. We try and get it up on a Monday. And so, you know, that's that's early in the prognostication week. It's not like, you know, we're doing <laughs> study each day of the week and then giving out our updated review and consideration. We we live with the picks that we give out at the time that we give them out. And so sometimes, you know, I there there may be change of heart in between, uh, you know, there might be regrets from whenever we give out those those uh recommendations and the actual tournament commences. And, you know, I, I guess it's, Verna, we can always go on the Twitter uh, and give out some folks if there's any any change of heart. But I, you, we talked ourselves out of both Rory and Tommy Fleetwood <laughs> last week. We were, we were looking for value, but, you know, uh, let, let, let's begin with this. It was, a, it was a totally different golf tournament because of the March playing of it um, versus what we've seen the, the, the past uh, 20 years. And I am just going to have to come right out and say it. I love it. I loved uh, every minute of it. I couldn't get enough of it. H- how did you, what, what was your reaction to the tournament this week? Well, to your point, Dustin Johnson typically doesn't play very well. They move it up to March and all of a sudden Dustin Johnson's awesome again. Right. Uh, yeah. I no. I mean, listen, it's, it's, it's perfect when it was, and it's set up on the calendar because you got the conference tournaments that are going on in college basketball that you can kind of pay attention to. Uh, and then you got Selection Sunday, but you know this is going to be able to, right? Like I had one TV on this, and I had another one that was on the uh, the college basketball, the afternoon one, whatever that was, Michigan, Michigan State, right? Yeah, um, that's right. So, right, so and it feeds right into Selection Sunday. It ends up making for an awesome Sunday. I was, uh, yeah, I am totally all for it, despite the fact that I had horrible feelings about this player's uh, championship as uh, who did I have? Xander. Didn't even make the friggin' cut. <laughs> I'm, I'm partially to blame for that. We went hunting for, for value, and, and I, I want to follow up on your point. Your point is a great one. I think this player's championship on the Sunday of Selection Sunday is is quite brilliant. I hope the calendar lines up this way going forward um, because to your point, it really did heighten the sense of the importance of the day. Like the drama of the golf was a perfect lead in to selection Sunday. It really felt like a great sports day on the calendar credit to the, to the dudes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause everybody's paying attention to sports anyway. That day. And so that's what you want, right? Like it's not one of those off, you know, obviously with nothing else going on, there's really just college basketball and the NBA. NBA's in total dog days. So people yes. are just kind of waiting. Teams and fans 
are just counting the days until the playoffs can start. Um, and so there's not a lot of interest in that. But it does feel kind of like, you know how, and then we'll get through the NCAA tournament, and then, bam, we'll get to go straight to the Masters. But anytime oh there's a heightened, heightened sense of community among sports fans, that there are people on social media that are talking about things that are going on in the world of sports. So now, all of a sudden, if, you're, if you have an awareness of that, now it's popping where people are like, hey, look at this leaderboard. Like, this is going to be great coming down the stretch. And it did end up with some super drama because I think there's a lot of people that are sitting there going, all right, Rory's got to get a four uh, in order to walk away with this thing. What are the chances this isn't going to a playoff? What are the chances that he's going to just, like, he knows the number, he knows he's got to make a par, and instead, he stands right up there on 18 and stripes him. Oh. No fairway, and ends up two putting for his par and gets out of there with the win. Now that that put a little bit of the hairs up on the back of my neck. I'm not going to lie. And that was the second shot inside of an hour that that had that effect because Jimmy Furyk. So what was that? A uh, uh, an eight iron or, or whatever he hit uh, from the middle of the fairway, 170 whatever that he hit to to, to three feet, and he started walking after it. At, like basically as soon as he struck it, he's walking after it because he knows how good it is. And it gets so tight in there for a guy who in a previous kind of car. Now he's at, at the tail end of his um, PGA tour career, 48 year old. Uh, but it was very inspirational for an old dude like me. But, you know, um, he previously had a reputation of being somebody that wasn't necessarily clutched down the stretch because he'd had some moments uh, in his his latter portion of his career where, you know, he was near the lead or in the lead and then then didn't pull out the W. So him being like the most clutch guy, and boy, oh boy, did his birdie putt on 17 burn the edge. I thought that was going in. Um, it It was a hell of a drama. But how about this, Verno? You look at that leaderboard, the top 10 names on that leaderboard, five of them have majors. So it was like a really unprecedented, a complete rewrite of the history of the Players' Championship where it felt like you were just as likely to get some kind of random dude coming out of left field as you were somebody of, with real pedigree um, that was coming out and win it. And, you know, year over year, they make the, 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 the statistician folks make this a big deal about um, there hasn't been a repeat. You know, each of the past 17 winners, you know, was a one-time winner of the event um rory coming out and doing what he did that that changes uh the, the the entire narrative and it just felt like a giant sports moment with a giant figure in the world of golf uh and, and the pga tour must be still you know exhausted they must be still smoking cigarettes in bed if you ask me well there's uh, two things on this number one it kind of sucks that rory is getting stuck with the the whole final group thing that's still going to travel with him because he was in the second to last group. You know, they keep on saying the last nine times he's been in the final group, he hasn't won. As, as to say, like, he doesn't come through when it matters most. And he's he to kind of get credit, right? <laughs> oh, I mean, <laughs> I, I, mean no. I, don't, I don't give a damn what group he was in yesterday. Yeah, yeah that's right? right. Like, that took all the, that took all the stones. Yeah, yeah that took right. all the stones. The other thing is, we talked about this whatever it was, a week or two ago, maybe it was last week, about do you expect to see one-offs or is it, you know, is it, is it going to be somebody that's 
but routinely up there winning tournaments, or are we going to see these weird names that kind of come out of nowhere, like the guy from Georgia, uh, Keith, uh, was it Mitchell? Keith Mitchell. Keith Mitchell, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Keith Mitchell. Right, yeah, and we talked about it after, and I said, man, there's just too many good players, right? And I think they're just going to kind of trade off, and it's crazy because you get into a tournament like this, and Alexander didn't make the cut, and Jordan Speed, he's not around there. And Justin Thomas isn't around there. Like, there's a bunch of huge names, like super accomplished guys that either didn't make the cut or they weren't involved. I mean, Sunday morning, I got up and I've got that PGA Tour live on uh, Apple TV. Yes. I watched Tiger and Kepka because I right. knew they weren't going to make right? They're not going to be in the national TV broadcast. So I watched Tiger and I watched Brooks Kepka on Sunday morning. Like, they're teeing off. They're so far done by the time anything's on TV. Um, but think about that. That's, that's two premier guys, and they're not even they ain't even close to the mix. So not even close to I the mix. I, I want to do a quick aside on Brooks Kepka, And I, I, this is one of the things I'm interested that we, you and I need to pay attention to as, as gentlemen that, that are, uh, you know, we, we wear the cloth of the wager. We are wagerers of the cloth. Uh it came out. I saw a story this morning when I woke up where Kepka gave a quote about a change in diet and his and his physical uh, training regime, where he's lost uh, either over twenty pounds or nearly twenty pounds in the last four months doing two a day workouts and uh, doing some kind of crazy diet re- restrictive diet kind of thing. And he said he also lost you know uh, between six and ten yards off the tee, but he, the, the, the diet portion of it, uh, is, is done to come Wednesday and he's going to have a cheeseburger. Verno, I would have liked to have known this before I gave out <laughs> Brooks Kepka and talked about Brooks Kepka as a, as a, as a value pick. I'm not ever going to give out somebody that's not eating the damn cheeseburger. Verno, what are we talking about? It, it killed me to see that afterwards. So, we need to figure it out. I don't know how we do this, but you know, um, and this is, I'm only ha- halfway kidding the information available to, um, folks that want to put a little, allocate a little capital, play a couple bucks on this. Um, it, it, I really might have stayed away from Kepka if I'd known where he was in terms of this. Well, not the diet part, but at least a training regimen, right. And that he's lost weight and that he's lost yards because that tells you something about, where he is in his game preparation, right? He's not showing up at this thing. Like I, I put some f- uh, credit in the fact that he'd missed the cut at the Honda after making a bunch. I mean, at um, Ar- Arnie tournament, the a- API, uh, he missed the cut there, and I thought that might have been a blessing in disguise because he'd get some rest because um, he'd played a, a, n- a number of weeks in a row previously. And he was making cuts and stuff, and I thought all oh, that old Brooks Kepka is going to come out. But I didn't know he's doing two a days and Leah staying away from cheeseburgers. Damn it! Oh, it's so funny that you say this too because I hadn't read this. And yesterday morning, when I was watching him, that he it was cold. They had on the long sleeve, and so I even remarked to my wife, "I was like, oh, look at Brooke. He ain't get to show off the guns today." Well, what if he was just covering them up? What if he's got noodles now? I'll tell you this: I was at a tournament. <laughs> Hey, I was I was at a tournament where I followed him last year. Yeah. He was I mean, and this was not long, this before he won that US Open. I mean, it's always probably a peak of powers, but he was 
huge house. I'm talking like football player big. And I was like, my God, because you walk around and see these other guys. And even you see like, you know, you even see his training buddy, a guy he lives with and uh, deals with all time and DJ and DJ's is long and lean. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. not, he doesn't, you know, he, he, he is startlingly tall when you're by him, you know, for the first time, but he's not like, he's not like huge, like intimidating, but yep. Kepka, I mean, he was, a, he was a monster. Um, so, I mean, I, but I, I had no idea that we're going, we're leaning down. Maybe he's got a competition coming up for bodybuilding competition. You know, those guys, they bulk up and they lean down. It does, it does. You know, the only the only knock ever you can put on Kepka is that he has interests in uh, in things other than golf. He seems to like if he if he had his choice, it feels like he'd be playing professional baseball instead of professional golf. But oh, you, you he mentioned- always is. every time he every time he gets a chance, right? He's always saying like, uh, you know, like it, it always scares me because I do like him a lot and and like watching him play, especially when he's at his best. But he always says, that, you know. Like golf's boring. It bores me. <laughs> like the biggest thing I have to fight is getting bored. I, I you know. know. <laughs> oh my! It's it's very very. Uh, it's always a risk proposition uh, wagering on him. So hopefully, folks out there were able. Now I I did this. I should have tried to talk you into it. I did live bet Rory at the very bottom of the market. I live bet him uh, Saturday morning when he and Tommy Fleet were, were, were tied at the top at 12 under, because I was worried going into Saturday's round that Rory would come out and shoot something like a 64, 65 and get up by six or seven strokes and that the odds uh, would go negative. I wanted Rory at plus odds going into the weekend. Now, if I just stayed tight, I could have I had odds that were double the odds that I got him at because he and uh, Fleetwood kind of knocked it around a little bit on Saturday. And honestly, I have to tell you, Verno, I thought I was very encouraged by Rory having his sort of challenging round on Saturday and him showing some resilience and still finishing under par, even though he seeded the lead, even though John Rahm jumped up over both him and Fleetwood into the lead. I was really impressed that Rory was able to pull out around two under uh, par on Saturday, I believe it was, because he did not have his A game. He was scuffling out there. Well, I am not going to let you do this on the pod. <laughs> where, where you're like, oh, I should have I should have told you to do You hated yourself for I, like I did. Rory McIlroy. That's you're right. And, and if I would have done it, you would have been like, no, no, don't do this with me. You know who I took live? Tommy Fleetwood in case. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's no yeah. way I was, I was coming I away empty-handed if that idiot won. And the other one was uh, what was it? Oh, Dustin Johnson the, the night before. I yeah. was like, well, geez, if, he, if he goes out there and you know he's in, I think he was in eight. So if he gets like a sixty-five or something, you know, if he throws up right. a crazy number, which he's capable of, I yes. thought it was at least reasonable value. I mean, it was a super long shot. But I thought, yeah. hey, you throw a little bit on it if it hits, it's huge. I did the same thing. I put I put uh, a little bit on Dustin on the, that exact same principle because I had him. A, he was available around twenty to one uh, at that yeah. point. So that those are great odds for DJ. And all you need is one round out of him where he he goes shoot sixty four sixty five, but he he ends up like 
oh, wow, something just clicked for me. And then he goes off and does DJ things. He can shoot back-to-back 64s in, in a heartbeat. Uh, and he, mm-hmm. you know what? He shot all four rounds in the 60s and and still finished. He finished inside the top 10. But, you know, he wasn't. He never really threatened uh, the leaders despite shooting four rounds in the 60s. The first guy to have done that in like 25 years. So, you know, DJ <laughs> very much in form, I would say, notwithstanding the fact that that uh, he wasn't able to jump across the the goal line with this one. But look, I want to I want to make sure we have some time here for this week in Tiger Woods. Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Woods. <laughs> because you mentioned it now, uh, his whole tournament. This so rarely happens to Tiger. But his whole tournament really ended Friday afternoon on the 17th, or Friday morning on the 17th uh, uh, tee. Take those four, let's just say parse it. Because right? he took like seven. It, yeah, that's take those right. four off. Just to, let's just say parse. I know you can't go back and do that, but there's one hole, right? So take four one strokes hole. off. Where does he end? Because he was 30th, right? Where does he end if he's four? If he's four lower than what he was. Well, he, he ended up at six under for the tournament, and it would have put him up at 10 under. But the point to me is, at that moment in the tournament, he was yeah. uh, at seven under par. And the leaders yeah. on Friday night ended at 12 under. McElroy and Fleetwood ended at 12 under. If Tiger had made par on 17, he finishes at seven under. He's five strokes out. He's in the mix. And you, we know yeah. how Tiger... You know, when he's motivated and, and in the mix, instead, he made that quad on 17, dropped him all the way down to three under, and now he's looking up. Now there's a nine-stroke difference. When he goes to bed Friday night, he's nine nine strokes back of the leaders, and he knows he has to has to make a miracle on Saturday and Sunday. Now, he, he, he still played well. He still had, you know, reasonable rounds on, on uh, Saturday and Sunday, both under par. And he went from three under to six under for the tournament, but he never, you know, seriously threatens. Uh, he did hit. I was happy to see this twelve fairways on Sunday uh, as part of his. Uh, uh, yeah, he shot even par on Saturday and three under yesterday. Uh, so, right. so twelve fairways, three under par yesterday. So for this week in Tiger Woods, I am going to tell you, I uh, last week it said. You have no idea how to react. Like, I really didn't. And I stand by that, where he's coming back from the neck injury. We hadn't seen him play, you know, because he took that week off. Who knows if that's going to be bothersome to him? Who knows what kind of form he's going to be in? And so it it was long odds last week, and obviously long odds for a reason, because he wasn't in contention. And in fairness, this year, you know, even as good as he's been some weeks, he hasn't been, I think, eight strokes is the closest he has been to a leader, and yet it feels like he's playing pretty well. Here's why I'm super positive about it. Um, while that is true, and while the end of 30s, he's making these cuts, and the biggest thing was he had that ter- one terrible hole, as we mentioned, but the big thing from this weekend was he didn't have any three putts this whole weekend. And uh. so... He had had a ton. He had, let me get this right, six at Riviera and at Mexico. Okay? So when you're, when you're, when you're getting to the greens, 
and now you're three putting. Now I'm now I'm worried, right? Because you really got to have that thing going. Once upon a time, Jordan Spieth buried every friggin' putt, and now he doesn't, right? <laughs> and, yeah. And and it feels like everything. You know, they always say you know driver show puffer dough, but in the end, I need somebody. I want the, you know whoever I'm rooting for being able to scramble and really putt, and so. That was what had befell him earlier in the year when he's got those six three putts at two different tournaments. Whereas now it was weirdly the approach shot, which is the thing I count on the most. I know. You know, if he's 160 out, I just figure he's sticking this thing. That's right. Um, and And it was just right or left. And I mean, it just didn't, that just wasn't locked in this weekend. But being that like that is not something I worry about at all, and that's what kind of troubled him throughout this tournament. That's why I've got super hope because what I don't need is the guy struggling on green and three putting. So he didn't have a three putt this entire time. And the other thing else is, dude, he looks so happy all weekend. Can you He's believe it? Up with Kevin Nah, he's I, up with was... Kevin Nah. I don't know. Did you see that video that was going around the internet today? of the guy wearing the t-shirt with his mugshot on it. And <laughs> no, no, I didn't see this. By, oh yeah. It's, it's floating around everywhere. And he walks by the guy and you can see him starting to laugh <laughs> as he sees the t-shirt. Like there's so many things that are so different about him, but he just seems like it doesn't feel inauthentic at all. It doesn't feel like it's a show at all. Like he, he really is this guy. Now this guy that's like super fun and smiling and, and he's very positive after these rounds too. Like he, you know, he's not down on himself. And so, I don't know, given, given the lack of three putts, I love that. And then he looks super happy all weekend. And, um, obviously if he gets in a really good place mentally, it's all counting down for a month from now. So oh, I was happy with, uh, this yeah. weekend. Berno, we're counting days. We are 24 days out from the first round of the masters. Uh, and I, and I'm right there with you. That light, that lightness in, in Tiger's attitude is absolutely, it's so unexpected, but it really added to my overall enjoyment of the, of the whole tournament. That thing between him and nah was, was just priceless. Now he, Tiger's taken off this week, which I absolutely applaud. He's not going to go to Tampa. He's going to play. He says he's going to play in the match play, the WGC match play event down in Austin, which is super cool. Um, and he's guaranteed three rounds in that because of the way that they have their, their format for the knockout. Uh, he'll play at least three rounds, uh, head to head. And then if he'll, he'll either go on or he'll go home from there, but then he's, he's ready. You know, that like the, that's a perfect, um, place to start to get ready for Augusta. The greens there are lightning quick in Austin. They've been able to do that in years past. And, you know, he, he, his juices get flowing in a match play, kind of format we know that so i i'm i'm thrilled that that's going to be his next uh stop and his last stop as before we, we get off, over to uh augusta georgia well and i think it's fair to say right he's been good not great he's been yeah. good he's been good i mean he's there you he's know there. where he you know he, he's making these cuts and then it's something right like i mean hopefully it's all refined he kept saying there's this timeline to be awesome by the masters um, and he's already, you know, if we, if he could cut down on the three putts on the greens, which he did over the weekend, 
that approach shot thing, that's not going to last. He's not going to be, no. you know, flare, flaring them out to the right, left, and having to scramble back onto the green. Um, I feel good about it. Then you take the attitude, and like I said, go look at throughout this year. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are supposed to be better than Tiger at this point right now that are are missing cuts, or or they're or they're just not in the mix at all, um, and they're not playing on weekends sometimes. And he's always right. there, like he's making all these cuts and he's playing. All right, Verno, uh, I'm going to let you go, but let's go ahead. And let's get, we have our, our epic flash pick of the week. Callaway's innovative fat flash face technology, this beautiful driver that so many uh, folks have in play. Last week, Frankie Molinari used it uh, to, to win down at Arnold Palmer's tournament. They, they uh, have been promoting faster ball speeds. They use artificial intelligence to run a bunch of simulations you and I need some artificial intelligence to help us with this pick right now. Uh, it's an incredible field down at the Valspar at Tampa at Copperhead uh, and a really tough uh, uh, venue, a, a historical tradition of par threes that are super hard and scores that that tend to barely break uh, up into, into uh, double digits. Uh, do you have any thoughts on a potential winner for this week down at Tampa? All right, so... Given last week getting so colossally burned by trying to take a long shot in Xander, who doesn't even make the cut, I'm done with that. I'm, I am going to go with a couple favorites. Don't have. Uh, I, I'm, I'll, I'll give you two that are like high, probably in the top ten in terms of odds, and then I'll give you one long shot. Okay. Okay. Good. So, I like it. Dustin Johnson's playing in this, and if you can kill the ball and you can have a short iron into the green, he he demolishes courses like that. And these are the, and this is exactly what he does. So he's playing this week, um, obviously came on over the weekend. At one point, we're looking at Sundays on the back nine. He's within two strokes of the lead. I just think that if you're, if you're a guy that can kill the ball and have something short into the green, it just sets up for him. So I know the odds suck, but I'll probably have something on DJ. The other one, and this is probably going to surprise you because he did not, he, he uh, did not end up winning that player's championship, though he had a great chance at it. But I don't know if you saw this at the end of the round with John Rahm when on, like, whatever it was. I mean, there were, okay, number one, he starts off with all these votes. Yeah. And he's going to explode, right? Like, he's going to explode. It seems like it. You, feel, you, you expect it. And he doesn't. Yep. And then he gets to the end. And that guy screams at him, Rom, you're trash, you're garbage. I'm like, oh, my God. This is going to be a fist fight. Yeah. Instead, he, like, turned around, kind of laughed. And then they asked him all about it afterwards. And he was like, you know, I really tried to change, you know, my demeanor and everything and the way I think about things. And it's it's been really good for me. And I, the old John would have melted down old john would have freaked out and, and been a total hothead about it. and i'm like what in the hell is going on Howard? Like, <laughs> I, I didn't know a tiger could change his stripes this much and so i virtue of him not losing his mind when when the guy called him trash and garbage and everything else i think i'm on the john ron train like, i he, love he it want me I, over i love it i I feel like that's a good omen. And so there's Rom 
and then I'll get the last one. If I'm going like a long shot, um, yeah, it would be Bubba, just because he's 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 averaging like three fifteen. I read this morning off the tee, second in the PGA, and so yeah, again, if you can kill the ball and then have a a, a long iron in, or I mean a short iron into the green, like it feels like. I don't know. He's like thirty or forty to one, or something like that. So I, I see. Yeah. I see him at fifty to one. Uh, okay, I, I had, uh, he, uh, he would even have a chance just because he would yeah. have a chance just because of the way this this is. It's one of those courses um, where if you can kill the ball and give yourself, you know, chances to stick it, and he can kill the ball. So all three of those guys are like you know guys that are striping it off the tee. And I think they probably got the best chances if I'm if I'm throwing something on this. Yeah. So uh, DJ right now is at a grotesque uh, plus four fifty four and a half to one. That's a stay away from yeah. me. Uh, Rom is available at nine to one because there's going to be a lot of people like you. I think that Vegas is anticipating who just saw Rom shoot sixty four on Saturday. And then notwithstanding, you know, losing control of his game, he didn't lose control of his brain. So I bet a lot of people yep. are going to, are going to follow your lead on that. Nine to one is uh John Rahm and Bubba's down there at 50 to one. That just feels like value. Anytime you can get a, a past major winner, uh, you know, at, at, at 50 to one like that, who, who's not that far out of form. I mean, he finished, he ended up shooting uh two under for the tournament at, um, Sawgrass, but it isn't like he missed the cut or anything. Now, my, yeah, my also, pick... Here, here's the thing. I know that DJ, the odds are grotesque, but again, I'm taking the long shot, too. So yes. now, I feel like uh, at least between Johnson and Rom, I'm going to have somebody with a like a good chance on Sunday. And this is yep. all 100%. And this is going to be the wrong thing to do. So I'm saying that off the bat. <laughs> it's a reaction to Rory burning me and the fact that I tried to go with long shots and then by the time it gets to Sunday, I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Like, just take yeah. right? Next thing I know, I'm, I'm Joe House and I'm scrambling <laughs> to throw money on horrible odds for Rory to win. I, well, it, fortunately, that covered my ass because it was going to be a big <laughs> L. It was going to be a big L. I was, I was going to be one I had to explain to the wife why, why she could only have two margaritas on spring break next week. <laughs> but fortunately Rory came through and he and we covered the whole right, thing. So, so you got? I'm I'm going a little bit off the reservation here. Uh and, and again, I I uh I like my pal uh Pat Mayo with um uh Fantasy Fantasy Sports National and he he he's written up a little bit on a guy here that's kind of caught my attention and that player is Henrik Stenson. Now oh. he's he's been bad. Uh, he's available right now <laughs> at at thirty three to one, which is reflective of the fact that he has indeed been bad. But there are uh, signs of life here. Now he's he's uh, he's he's improving in strokes gained approach. Uh, he's got a nice sizable chunk of an advantage just over the last couple of weeks. We know that he's pretty comfortable playing in Florida. And I particularly like his track record at this venue. Now he he's uh, uh, he missed the cut last year, but he didn't have a finish worse than eleventh in the three previous years. So it's, you're just looking for somebody that might be rounding into form. 
and, you know, has that pedigree of, you know, again, former major winner, but also I still put, hang my hat on guys who have good track records at venues who are, you know, finding themselves and comfortable. Henrik Stenson's my, uh, Epic flash pick of the week. 33 to one, huh? 33 to one. He missed the cut last right, year, well, but 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 three three times before, no worse than eleventh. So that that's really the 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 analytics for me. Surely between two favorites and two long shots, we gave out something's got to hit, right? <laughs> Something something's got to hit. Verno, we'll compare notes again next week. Thank you, my brother. My man, thanks. Always. All right, thanks, brother. And now on the tee, Megan Schuster. Yo, Schusty, what's happening? What's up, House? How are you? I'm spectacular. I'm I'm finally recovered from the incredible drama of the Players' Championship in March. I just had the chance to cover this a little bit with our boy Verno, Chris Vernon. What an unbelievable tournament. Like, the drama inside of it was fine. It was great, but... How about the the validation of this pivot over to March, putting this thing on 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 Selection Sunday of all things? It was such a fun fun tournament, and honestly, I think they got maybe a little bit lucky with the leaderboard that we had on Sunday. It was such a fun round, seeing Rory kind of gunning for his first win on the year with Tommy Fleetwood in there, Jim Furyk, you know, making a play. It was great, DJ, everyone. It was such a fun fun Sunday. It was uh, uh, an incredible leaderboard. I mentioned this to Verno that when the top 10 names, when you look at it, had five major winners. And so we were just speculating a little bit about does this portend a new identity for the players? Does this, the, this putting this tournament, you know, at the beginning of the schedule in terms of, you know, big events that are happening in golf, um, and and the uh, the difference in the weather, which is pretty prominent, uh, one of the things that Rory talked about that was really interesting. He gave this great interview to the Golf Channel set. He went up there after he won and sat with those guys with Brandel and David Duvall <laughs> and Rich Lerner and uh, Frank Nabilo. And he said that he was walking around with Jason Day during that round yesterday, and they were commenting on the predictability of the rough that they were able to get repeatable results in, mm. in their shots out of the rough because of the consistency. There was not a big variation in like the, the density or texture or height that they experienced yesterday. And maybe that's like a, a key to a repeatable dynamic tournament that takes place in March. I mean, there's no doubt that they've, that the tour validated uh, immediately and and resoundingly, the uh, the the notion to re- reposition this tournament at the beginning of the the golf calendar, but but in terms of the quality of the play and the quality of the players, because you get five major winners among the top ten on the board, you did something right, Schusty. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we kind of harped on this uh, last week, the idea of the Players Championship being the quote unquote first major as it seems like the PGA may be trying to pivot towards branding it that way. But I think they should just let this stand on its own, you know? Like, it doesn't need to be a major to get a quality leaderboard and a quality finish. And I think they got that this week. Like you said, you know, playing it in March is great. And if the conditions are repeatable and are 
you know, subject to a great finish like this, then I think hopefully we get this for many years to come. This was so fun. Yeah. And, and I really do. They, they, uh, hopefully will back down from the M word. They don't need to use Fingers it. Crossed. it, it is, <laughs> it's its own standalone, tremendous convening of the best and deepest field in golf. And they can just live with that. Uh, and it really does set up a beautiful window into this, this stretch. We're only 24 days out from the masters now. I can't so believe what it. A, what a beautiful preview for the masters. Like what a great setup. What a great appetizer. And how about this? It had the the desired effect of putting golf on the sporting calendar uh, and putting it in the minds of sports fans all across the nation by having it coincide with Selection Sunday. Like, you know, Selection Sunday now to me is is mostly boring. The only <laughs> uh, uh, college basketball of any consequence is the big 10 tournament. And it's always <laughs> Michigan state, Michigan or Ohio. It's, right, the, right. it's like the least interesting conference tournament championship to me. I just couldn't care less. <laughs> so having the golf, like be the lead in to selection Sunday, it's really, I mean, like sports fans, you know, consuming, uh, uh, wanting to see the big names out there. You get that with this tournament, you know, Pat's on the backs for the for the tour, and and that's a rarity coming out of me. It's not often that I'm I'm out here giving out hugs uh, for the PGA <laughs> Tour, but they they deserve it for this one. I thought it was really terrific. They do, and you know, you know, maybe they got a little bit lucky with Rory being the winner. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they seem to do everything right. It was a blast to watch. Um, you know, we already covered all the big names that finished toward the top, but I mean, I think coming into this week house, we maybe should have kind of predicted that Rory may have a finish like this. Oh, I know where you're going with this. Go ahead. Let, let, let's talk about it. I think I think we need to go through a few a few uh, maybe predictive things that happened earlier this week. Um, I came into it pretty, pretty meh on Rory, like sort of just hesitant. He'd been playing so well, but, you know, had many close calls and hadn't really finished anything. So I needed a little more proof heading into the weekend. But looking back, there were a few signs along the way, a few guideposts that I think I should have picked up on. And uh, if I remember right, you had a bit of money down on Rory this weekend, right? Well, I, I didn't end up doing it in advance. I ended up okay. li live betting him Saturday morning. When I woke up, I was worried that he was going to go crazy low. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I didn't want to have to buy odds. I didn't want to pay... So I, I wanted him still available at plus odds. Now they were not plus very much. <laughs> uh, and if I'd waited, I would have done. Uh, you know, I could have got uh, double the the odds that I ended up getting. Sure. Um, but I just wanted to get in there and get on him because I thought when I woke up Saturday morning that the two most likely winners were either Dustin Johnson or Rory. And Dustin mm -hmm. Johnson was a little bit of a longer shot. I just thought, you know, if he shoots a 64 today, that being Saturday, mm -hmm. he's right back in the mix. And, and then, you know, all bets are off. When, D, when DJ starts going low, you just get out of the way. Uh, so I put a little on him, but I went much bigger on Rory because it just felt like there is, there is that stat out there uh, with Rory that um, was something that should have told you and I uh, <laughs> to pay a little bit more attention. This 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 run that he's on now where he finished sixth or better in six consecutive starts, he did this one other time in his career. Although maybe he's done it more than that, but the last time he did it was in 2011. And his sixth start during that streak, he went out and won the tournament. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So we're coming into this week. He'd had five straight inside the top six, and this was a sixth event. And some people were pointing to that as the one for him to come on in and 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 you know do the exact same thing he did five or I mean uh, eight years ago. And you know he went out and did it. Yeah, and I I wanted to talk about that stat too because I think it's so amazing how predictive it turned out to be. I know you and I had noted it uh, last week coming into the tournament how cool that was. And it's really amazing that it turned out to be true again, you know, eight years later. Um, But I think, you know, coming into the tournament, I was a little bit worried about how, you know, quote unquote, clutch Rory would be if he could, you know, actually close things out, especially in a stage like the players. Um, But it seems like he really had an amazing mindset. He had fun out there. He had a couple quotes like over the weekend that, um, you know, it sounded like playing with Phil on Thursday and Friday had sort of rubbed off on his attitude. He went for it. Um, on 18 on with like a crazy second shot on Friday. And after his round, I guess he said that he had told NBC, like Roger Maltby of NBC on his walk to the green, that playing with Phil had inspired that attitude to, to go for that shot. So I think it's just cool to see him out there enjoying playing with his playing partners, uh, and just kind of keeping it loose. Yeah, it, it helped. He, he kept talking about, uh, patience. He kept talking about perspective. He was he, he was using all these p words um, to get to the w, and they're making a joke about it <laughs> on the broadcast. So uh, if we're going to talk about the young guns and the confidence index, Rory's still a young gun because he doesn't turn thirty until May the fourth. Uh, by mm-hmm. the way, that everybody they're ma- they're making a big deal about this stat. It deserves to be made a big deal of <laughs> the this stat. This comes from uh, my one of my. Favorite statisticians, Justin Ray, at the 15th club. Uh, Since the first Masters in 1934, only three players have won 15 PGA Tour titles, including, and this is an important inclusion, four majors, Mm. before turning 30 years old. Those three players, Jack Nicklaus, Tiger Woods, and now Rory McIlroy. Wow. Look at that. Yeah, So he's Rory at the top of the Young Guns Confidence Index. But what what about some of these other 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 fellas? Let's let's go through it a little bit. So I'm I'm am gonna diverge from you just a little bit on my number one. But let's go through the list of names that we want to include because there are so many that we could use. But let's limit it to some of the bigger ones. I have Ricky, uh, Tony Finau, Bryson, Brooks Kepka, Rory, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Tommy Fleetwood, and John Rahm on my list. Okay. Is there anyone no, else that you want to throw on there or take off? No, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I mean, we, we, I won't take anybody off. I'll just say why I think they're at the the bottom of the index. Okay. Okay. So my number one is still Brooks, even after this week. And oh no, I know, oh, no. I know, oh, I know. No. We're gonna diverge just a little bit. Did not have the best week. Finished just minus two at the players and was pretty much out of contention all weekend. He's had a rough couple of weeks post Honda, where he finished uh, tied for second. Missed the cut last week, tied for 56 this week. But when it comes down to it, this is our confidence rankings. It's all about a logical gut feel. And if he's in a final round close to the top, I still think he's going to win. So here's the thing. And this is a bit of news that uh, I wish I'd known before. I gave I gave out Brooks Kepka last week, Schusty, as one of my select players mm-hmm. for a high, uh, a high finish, perhaps a winner at this Players' Championship. The news that I encountered this morning is news I wish I had last week. He has been on a four-month training regimen 
that is includes two a day workouts and a and a dietary some kind of restrictive eating regimen. He hasn't had a cheeseburger in four months. He's lost nearly what? twenty pounds. I'm telling, you, he's lost nearly twenty pounds, <laughs> and he's lost. He says. Six to between six and ten yards off the tee. Uh oh, Schusty. Do you think that I would give out a guy that doesn't eat a cheeseburger? <laughs> never, never. Oh my and, goodness. And what are you going to do now? Now you have him at the top of your confidence. Wow, index. wow. He's slipping really fast now. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Not had a cheeseburger in four months, Brooks. He, you now he says he's looking forward to this Wednesday, and maybe this fits your your index just fine. Uh, because he's he's going to come off of the diet dietary part, I guess, in a couple of days. So okay, all right. Well, maybe, then then I'll keep with him at number one. Maybe after he gets <laughs> gets that cheeseburger back in his system, he'll be all good moving forward. Yeah, he's he's not at the top of mind. I want to see. With all kidding aside, with that change in in body weight, mm-hmm. um, it feels like he's got to you know he's he's got to find something. He looked out of sorts. Uh, I watched a, a fair amount of him on Saturday because he was off early as a guy that that barely made the cut, mm-hmm. and he he was hitting the ball off the tee right. He okay. had the, the, this right miss that I just you, you never see out of him. Now he was able to scramble a little bit, but um, it was it was there was clearly something he's doing something work wise, you know, and trying trying to find something. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, once his training sort of gets sorted out, he'll figure out how to compensate for that lack of yardage off the tee, but that is disconcerting was something to monitor moving forward. (laughs) Certainly. Um, yeah. So I have Rory second on my list, very close behind. He looked amazing. Has looked amazing all spring, just really incredible. Um, and then coming in at number three on my list is my man, Tommy Fleetwood. Sure. Why not? I, he deserves (laughs) it. You know, I, he earned some respect, I believe, uh, from the golfing public by the resilience that he showed over the course of his round yesterday mm-hmm. when there were a couple, he had a real scratchy front nine and then he and John Rahm both hit their, their second shots, their approach shots on the 11th hole, the par five 11th, which was a kind of a pivotal scoring hole mm-hmm. for a lot of guys. Uh, both of them hit their approaches in the water, but Tommy Fleetwood hit a ball. He had the closest proximity to the hole on the 16th hole and made, he had, I think he ended up with something that was either just under three feet or right at three feet in terms of the putt because of the brilliant second shot. At that point in his round, he was 12 under. He made the Eagle putt to get to 14 under. He knew exactly what he needed to do to get up Mm -hmm. to, to, to Furyk and, 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 uh, you know, Rory was still out finishing. So he walked up to the tee box on 17, put his tee in the ground, and tried to hit his golf ball directly at the flag on 17. Now, he missed by a foot because it hit the the the, the wood, <laughs> you know, and bounced 40 feet in the air and then ended up uh, in the water. It was short by just about a foot, and he hit exactly the width of that railroad tie mm-hmm. that they use. So it was, you know, that which is all of uh, eight inches wide or so. Right. And and that was it. But you know, kudos to him for playing himself right back into the any the the mix and trying to win. He wanted to, he mm-hmm. hit the ball. If you watching the trajectory, it was it was right at at the uh, at the flag stick. And he still finished. Where, where where did he end up on the on the on the tournament here? Hold on. He did he have a top five? Tied t- for five. Anyway? Yep. Yeah. Top five. five. So 
I, I, I have no problem at all with putting uh, Tommy where you have him. No, and you know what? It was so exciting to see that from him, to see him just going for it, gunning for it. I mean, you know, obviously he did not have the Sunday round that I wanted for him. He was so, so good over the first three rounds. But I agree. Seeing that resilience from him, seeing him fight back was something new. And I was so impressed. Me Very too. impressed. Okay. All right. All right. I like where you where you have Fleetwood. Okay. All right. Who do you have coming next? Probably Justin Thomas. Yeah. And I know it's a little funny because he's had some consecutive weeks now of being a little bit uh, under the radar, off the radar. Mm-hmm. But uh, I feel like he's in a mode where where he's working on something. Also, I I, I want to do a little bit more diligence. Um, but and and he's he's not playing this week at Valspar, but he will be playing in Texas. He's a guy that I'm going to be paying close attention to at the WGC match play. He he's he's done well there in the past. So in the lead up to uh, the Masters, he's still a dark horse pick of mine for the Masters. I agree. He, I have him at number four, too. I think we just haven't seen enough from him yet this year, but that doesn't mean that it's not coming. And I think with him, I would always feel silly doubting him if we see you know something amazing happen for him at Augusta. So I also have him at four. Um, after this week, I have Rom at five which I don't know if that's a controversial pick or if you're good with that, but um, he has an edge for me over guys like Ricky, Bryson, and Tony right now. So uh, Berno and I spent a good bit of time on John Rahm because Berno gave out Rahm as one of his picks for this week at Valspar. Oh, wow. And, and you know what? Vegas agrees with Verno. He's only available at nine to one odds, which are terrible <laughs> odds for winning a golf tournament. That's awesome. So, so Vegas is taking more notice of the 64 on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I think Verno made this point. I agree with it. And Vegas must be uh, counting on the rest of the betting public to also be uh, subscribing to this point of view. Rom did not go nuts on Sunday temperamentally. And there were many, many occasions for him to go nuts, well, including when he and his uh, caddy uh, <laughs> had a, 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 a noticeable disagreement about the club selection and shot choice on the 11th hole. Mm-hmm. His approach shot from the bunker where he elected to hit to, to attempt a 30-yard hook with an 8-iron. <laughs> his caddy tried uh, vociferously to convince him of a different shot. Kudos, by the way, to the tour for capturing that whole exchange. I want more of that. It was glorious. Honestly, uh, that is, glorious. That, that's the drama that we're after, right, Tuesday? <laughs> Absolutely. It was It was just really great to hear that back and forth and kind of see their thought process behind it. And then, you know, following through to him directly plunking it into the water and dropping a couple expletives after it was just really like the perfect ending to that. But you're right. He, he really could have gone off. He could have completely lost it, could have... Um, you know, had like one of those signature ROM fits and he didn't. And I thought that that was encouraging to see uh, maybe a little bit of personal growth on John Rom's end, which was fun. And he's just been playing really, really well lately. I mean, 69, 68, 64 through the first three rounds of the tournament. Mm-hmm. Yesterday's 76, where he couldn't get anything going at all. You know, he was making his own bad luck a little bit. Mm-hmm. 16th hole. Uh, you know, had a plugged lie um, because of his approach shot, banged into the trees on the left. 17th hole, hit it in the water. But still, inside the top 15, 
and three three really good rounds at this tournament. So when he's when he's putting four rounds together, um, that's you know he, he goes out and burns it down. Uh, no problem at all with Rom in this slot that you have him. Cool. Um, and then I sort of have a glut of players at the bottom. I've kind of grouped Ricky, Bryson, and Tony together. Um, Ricky's shown flashes to me so far this year, but no one's really, really stood out. Uh, and then I have Spieth, obviously, at the bottom. I don't even yes. know what to say about him at this point. <laughs> it's so it's so upsetting. Just really sad. I would have Bryson slightly ahead uh, of those other two guys. Okay. Um, he shot nine under. He finished uh, inside the top 20. Um, with a pretty steady diet of he went 70, 69, 69, 71. Yeah. Um, and I honestly feel like he is biding his time and really just getting ready for the Masters. He's he's another one that I'm thinking about, uh, you know, giving long consideration to sure. as, as a play for the Masters ever since his uh, round. The first time he played it, that Friday when he was tied for the lead, uh, and then immediately smashed a ball so far left that he was playing <laughs> from the from the walkway area. Um, <laughs> that that has stuck with me that he's he's got that level of skill and confidence, and that the fact that Augusta seems to suit his eye. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about him in a preparation mode for Augusta. So Bryson slightly uh, improved. I mean, slightly better position for me, confidence wise, than sure. those other guys. Sure, I like it. I think that sounds great. Okay. Well, let, let's uh so you mentioned Furek. He had an incredible week off the tee shoosty. He ranked third in the field in fairways hit, which is exactly what you would expect for him to be successful in, at a tournament uh like the players. He's playing uh Callaway driver, Callaway continuing to be the number one driver across the major worldwide tour, number one in PGA tour driver wins. And number one in worldwide wins this year, Callaway. Uh, now, Furick, that was an inspirational tournament, an inspirational performance. And he is uh, showing up at the Valspar. He's 30 to 1 odds coming in uh, to the Valspar. I mentioned him because I wanted to get your take on this uh, little comparison that I'm going to call Sauce of the Week. Okay. Uh, I, 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 there was a lot of very saucy moments yes. throughout the entirety of, of the Players' Championship, which really did heighten the overall enjoyment of the, the, the whole event. I just can't get over how good an event that was from Thursday to Sunday. Mm-hmm. But Furick on the 18th fairway, after the, the day before, he hit one on a line off the tee, I think he used a three wood that had him standing all precariously on the edge. In fact, my son uh, was watching with me on the on Saturday afternoon, and he couldn't believe that there was a guy standing on the edge of, of the water <laughs> on those things. He said, he said, yeah, I was asking me, I said, can he fall in? And I said, if he takes a full swing, he is falling in. <laughs> Fortunately, he and Fluff figured it out. He didn't have to take a full swing, or he was smart enough not to take a full swing. He chipped out. And played in from there. Yesterday, he just rips one all the way down. He only had 171 left, seven <laughs> iron in hand, and he stripes one directly at the pin. And it looked like he started walking after it immediately after the ball was struck. That to yeah. me, that was my that that was a a uh, if not the sauciest, a, a top three sauciest moment of the tournament. That that was incredible to see him. 
going up. And there were a lot of jokes made on Twitter on Sunday that it was, you know, Jim Furyk, Ryder Cup captain for the U.S., going up against all the Europeans that he faced off with just a few months ago with, you know, McElroy Fleetwood, Justin Rose, and Rahm uh, up at the top of the leaderboard. That was pretty incredible to see him doing that at 48 years old, uh, still walking in putts on Sunday. Uh, I also, there was another Furyk moment that was pretty great uh, this weekend. If you were watching on Friday, there was a video of him, you know, taking off his hat to shake hands at the end of the round. And <laughs> we have to talk about his tan line because yeah. he took off a white hat. And if you blinked at the right time watching that video, it looks like he must have been wearing two different hats because the outline of the head, the head tan line was just so, so perfect. You would think that he would be cognizant of that. And if he wasn't, because he maybe he can't see the back of his own head. He, that's what his, that's what a wife is for. That's what, Correct. you know, the loved ones in your life, the loved ones in your life are supposed to help you with that. They, you can buy some self-tanner these, these days. It's not like we're recommending that he go outside and get the top of the dome you know, crisp, crisped up, right, but you can right. put, put, put some lotion on that thing. Put, put some balm on, put a salve on that thing. Right. You got to do something, even just maybe playing half of a practice round with the hat off just to make the, the contrast slightly less stark. But yeah, I, I, I want him to, to practice good, uh, sun health, you know, yes. good sun <laughs> yes. protected sun protection, uh, health habits, but, but goodness gracious, son. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and there were lots of other saucy moments this week, House. Um, Eddie Pepperell had one. He walked in a 50-foot birdie putt on 17 on Sunday to take a share of the lead, which was just really an iconic move from him. Um, obviously, there was, you know, Rom with his caddy on Sunday, uh, directly plunking it into the water after his caddy encouraged him to lay up. Yeah, that was the anti-sauce. I love An that. anti-sauce, yeah. That was pretty great. And then, of course, we have to talk about uh, Tiger Woods and Kevin Na on Saturday at 17. So that's to me, is the only one that rivals the Furyk sauce. Pepperell yeah. sauce was, was, was good sauce, but he was walking after that 50-footer mainly because he, he was feeling good about the leave that it seemed like he was, you know, and he confessed <laughs> right, this. Right, right. He knew that he thought it was going to be close enough they could go tap it in. Yeah. And then he gives a very nonchalant wave of the hand when it actually <laughs> drops. Like, no fist pump. Like, Johnny Vegas made the bomb of 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 the year, and it'll always go down as an iconic putt, the longest putt ever made on the 17th hole at Sawgrass, and he did the right. He was doing. He was pumping it up, right? Both hands up. He, I think, he just left the ground for a minute. He was telling you know, I can't hear you. I mean, he did it all. <laughs> I, he wanted everybody to celebrate that putt. Pepperell just gave like the the little not. It was a little too nonchalant for me. So that's that's not quite saucy enough. But Nah and Tiger, go ahead and set the stage. That, that was too good for words. It, it was honestly just so beautiful. And I've watched this video probably 25 times since it got posted on Saturday. But basically, the two were playing uh, Saturday round together. They're on 17. Um, Kevin Nah putts first. So he, you know, is sort of tapping, not quite tapping in, a little too long for a tap in. But the ball's inching towards the hole. It's clear it's going in. So Kevin Nah chases after it. And almost picks it up before it hits the hole. Like he comes. I mean, his hand is moving <laughs> to to the ball as it's falling in. He it's comes hilarious. dangerously close to making contact with the ball before it goes yes. in the hole. And yes. so he, you know, picks it up, uh, gives a little stutter step, just kind of waves, you know, kind of tries to play it off like no big deal. But you can see him kind of smile over at Tiger and Tiger's laughing at him. So Tiger comes up, uh, lines up his own putt and 
dives after it right as it gets to the hole trying to imitate Nah. And I have to say my initial reaction was this to this was that I was terrified he was going to throw out his back by doing this move because it's quite quite a drastic uh, approach to the cup. But it was just amazing to see. And I think watching him imitate someone that he is playing with in that round and just cracking up at the end was such a different viewpoint from Tiger. It was great. I mean, there was a lightness to it. And, and, uh, Verno mentioned the same thing. Uh, we just very briefly touched on this, uh, exchange between Na and Tiger. It's hilarious that you talk about him throwing it, the concern about him throwing out his back. <laughs> that was exactly, that was the in the moment reaction in the exchange I was having uh, over text with a couple pals. <laughs> and, and now now that's the thing. That's what old guys think about. That's my <laughs> my demo. We're all worried about, oh, Tiger, don't throw out your back, buddy. Don't do it. But, but you know, uh, him being, having that like presence. Now, in the first place, he knows he needs to make the putt. It wasn't, right, right. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a gimme gimme. <laughs> no, not um, by any means. But but you know he he saw enough of it to immediately try and replicate that thing, and it just is like so evocative of a a different tiger, a different mindset, a different approach to the game, a sense of of where he is and playing to the crowd. It's it's like seriously the biggest possible stage, just because of the way that amphitheater works mm-hmm. and that that the way the stadium course is configured. There really isn't a much bigger audience in golf. That, that you can sort of surround a, a venue with. And, you know, he he really played it up. And so that <laughs> presence of mind and the lightness to it, it all it made Vernon and I both, I mean, we're we're thinking very good thoughts about Tiger come Masters time when he's got that sense of humor, that presence mm-hmm. of mind. And and uh it was just just priceless. I mean, two two all who would have thunk that this March tournament was going to produce honestly like Th- at least three iconic players moments like Furyk's, uh fairway shot on mm-hmm. 18 and walking after it after he hit the ball well is going to be go down in players lore yeah this tiger and nothing we're going to see another hundred thousand <laughs> uh times uh, uh Johnny Vegas you know celebrating the 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 70 footer will will be a forever thing right and Eddie Pepperell's wave I mean you know where these things are all going to be in in in, to, in the lore for the, for the players in perpetuity what a what a good event it was great it was so great and I think my biggest takeaway from the whole tiger nah thing was just tiger almost seemed to be doing it as much for his own humor benefit as anyone else like he was cracking up he had like literally made himself laugh and he and now were walking off it and they just like you know couldn't stop laughing at it and I thought that was just so in like indicative of the mindset that he's taking in and I agree with you I think this is really cool to see heading into the masters and hopefully it continues all right well Schusty, we have the Valspar coming up the Copperhead uh, uh venue down in in Tampa some big names playing in this thing Dustin Johnson you mentioned John Rahm our boy Furyk gets a chance to try and get a, across the goal line mm-hmm. uh, uh, again. He's he's hot. Maybe we'll see it from him. Patrick Reed, who shot three rounds in the sixties and then shot a, a, a disastrous seventy six or seventy seven or seventy eight on on Sunday. Justine will not stand for that, <laughs> Schusty. So I expect big things out of Patrick Reed this week. Looking forward to comparing notes with you uh, this time next week. Yeah, sounds good. Can't wait. Thanks, Schusty.
This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. 